Well, good morning to you all. It's great to see each and every one of you this morning. We had uh, the big quiz on Friday night. For those that were there, it was fantastic. I'll be honest, it didn't do, I didn't do that great. I really didn't. Well, that's true. I was actually the weaker part of our team, I think. In fact, I'm fairly certain. And it really highlighted that I probably need to go back to school uh, because my geography was absolutely terrible. And also a little bit embarrassing. To be honest, there was a European map up on the screen and I was struggling to place Sweden, Denmark and Norway. I'm like, come on. This is really bad, really bad. But my low point of the night was looking at the European map and thinking, they've taken the Netherlands off of this. It's completely, it's completely gone. Anyways, before we start today, I've got a couple of questions for you. And these are a lot easier I think, than what we had on Friday night. And the first question is this. Do you know what perspective means? Well, a dictionary definition of perspective is the following. A particular attitude towards a way of regarding something. In other words, a point of view. We all understand that now. Okay. Question two. Now, for question two, I'm hoping technology will not fail me here. It may do, who knows. But hopefully up on the screen you'll see a picture. Now, has that picture appeared? Okay, so we're winning. Now... In our perspective, here in this room, the air freshener, in comparison to, oh, what is a very uh, funny image of some mountains in the background. It's all about perspective. Now, did the air freshener in my car suddenly grow big? I don't think so. You see, it's bigger from our perspective and from the perspective of the car because, why? Because we're closer to it. Well, that got me thinking this week. You see, sometimes in life, we have problems, don't we? And sometimes those problems can seem so much bigger than our God. And we can be overwhelmed by them. You see, Kevin, and speaking to me, if your problem is big and your God is small, 
It's because you're sitting closer to the problem. This morning, I'd like us to keep that in mind as we look at one of my favourite of all time Bible characters, and that's Elijah. And if you have your Bibles with you, if you would like to turn with me to 1 Kings. 1 Kings, and I'm going to read from verse, uh, chapter 19 and verse 7. The best I possibly can. You might think I need to go back to English class when I, I read this, but I'll do my best. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he travelled for 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into the cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars and put the prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazel, king of Ar over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel, of that place, to succeed you as a prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazel. And Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. Verse 19. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, he was ploughing with 12 yoke of oxen and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. 
Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. But note this, he took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Shall we just pray? Father, we would thank you for your word. Lord, this morning we just pray that we would put aside the distractions of the week. That you would speak to us through your word this morning. That our hearts and minds would be open to what you have to say to us. Lord, we just pray that we would be blessed as we share in this time together. And we ask these prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So some background on Elijah. Of course, many of you will know the story of Elijah. But he was committed to God. He was sent to confront the king of the land at that time. He was a messenger from God. Now, prior to this portion, you'll remember that Elijah was involved in an emphatic and amazing miracle. What he did was defeat the prophets of Baal. You might remember that God came down with fire to burn the sacrifices of Baal, even though they were soaked in water. God did an incredible miracle. It was overwhelming, it was vivid, it was huge. But as a result of that, the king's wife, who was called Jezebel, retaliated and threatened Elijah's life. She said to him, I'm coming after you. But what did Elijah do? Having just experienced this overwhelming, incredible miracle from God, where God's come down in fire, what did Elijah do? That boy ran for his life. He ran in fear. Elijah felt afraid. He felt depressed and abandoned. Despite God's provision. And what's even more amazing, as we've seen in chapter 19, that on his way to the cave, God is still providing for him for his journey, as we've read in verse 7. It's astonishing. He's running away from the situation, thinking God's abandoned him, and God's providing for him on his way. And for the purposes of our discussion this morning, don't underestimate how desperate the situation was for Elijah. It is rough. So much so that Elijah wanted to die. It was desperate. And because of that, at this mountain, God presented Elijah with 
probably in the history of the world, one of the most greatest audiovisuals of all time. An amazing display. Now, I don't know your heart this morning. But maybe you need to hear this message. Look at verse 10. Elijah is speaking to God. He said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me. Elijah felt isolated. He felt alone. But God didn't abandon him. He said, go outside and stand on the mountain top. And look at verse 11. Go and stand on the mountain top in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Can you imagine that moment? A great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart. Do you remember he ran fearing for his life? Can you imagine that fear? Shattered rocks. But the Lord was not in the wind. And then it says, after the wind, there was an earthquake. So he's not quite terrified enough that an earthquake comes. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came, there was a fire. And the Lord was not in the fire. You see how audio and visual messages go. It's probably one of the greatest the world's ever seen. After the fire came a gentle whisper. What are you doing here, Elijah? Can you imagine that? We can take encouragement this morning from Elijah's reply. You see, we see the great prophets of the Bible. These are men, amazing men and women for God. In instances, just showing their humanity. Elijah says it as he feels. He's just honest. I've been zealous for you, Lord. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They put prophets to death. Killed them with a sword. And I'm the only one left. Do you see what's happened to Elijah? Do you see what's happened to him? At this moment, at this time, on that mountain, do you see 
what's happened? He's lost his perspective. His problems have overwhelmed him. They've got too big for his God. Look at verse 15. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazel king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu son of Nimshi king over Israel and anoint Elisha son of Shaphat. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came. There is a job to do. There's a job to do. Do you think that was easy for Elijah to hear? I'm reading this and you're just astonished by it. Can you imagine? From what you were running from, I want you to go back to it. Because I'm bigger than all of that, Elijah. You see, along your way to where you are now, Elijah, I was still with you. I still love you. You've lost perspective. But I still love you. And don't forget, and the reason that you've lost perspective, you've, you've seen only what you can see. There are 7,000 others you're not on your own. Sometimes we can feel alone, can't we? You're not on your own. And God says to Elijah, there's a job to do. Now, we've had this short time together to draw on the messages that God maybe has for our lives this morning. And I believe this is powerful, but I also believe that the verses as we go on from verse 19 are even more powerful. And what a message that can be to each one of us here this morning. Look at verse 19. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with the 12 yoke of oxen and he himself was driving the 12 pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother and goodbye. He said, and then I'll come to you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elijah left him and went back. But then what did he do? He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. What do those verses show us here in this room this morning? They show us that Elijah was obedient. He was obedient to God. He went back to do the job that God told him to do that wasn't yet completed, but he went and did it. He was obedient. And Elijah appointed the man who would take on the mission after Elijah leaves this earth. But the real lesson that can be taken from this was that don't miss, and this is important, 
He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plough and equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. And then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. What a point that is from Elisha this morning to us. By killing his oxen and burning his plough means without these things he can't return to his life, his old life. His commitment to God at that point is immeasurable. And to follow Elijah at that point was unquestionable. And it was an incredible offering of thanksgiving to the Lord. He's been chosen as a prophet for God. Another question. A question to me as well. Are our hearts always full of thanksgiving? Or do our problems at times in our minds and heart become just too big for our God to handle? That we think we need to handle them ourselves? Perhaps like Elijah, we can lose perspective. Let us not forget this morning, for those of us who are saved, the Holy Spirit does dwell in unclean vessels. If he didn't, we wouldn't have hope. Some people would say that the Holy Spirit would only come in when we're completely pure. But the Holy Spirit comes in to make us pure. Without him, we cannot be purified. So we need him. It'd be like a professor at a university saying to his students, when you pass your exam, I'll teach you. But they would say, well, we need you to teach us to pass our exam. After all, you'll remember David committed adultery and murder and prayed to God to not take the Holy Spirit away from him. And God didn't. Psalm 51 verse 11, if you wanted to look at that. So if anything defiles the Holy Spirit, then surely adultery and murder do. But the Holy Spirit doesn't lead David. And that was the grace and mercy of God. Aren't you glad that the Holy Spirit doesn't leave you every time you do something wrong? This morning, the message is this. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. John 4, 19 tells us, we love because he first loved us. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave. Jesus wants a relationship with you this morning. God goes with you on your life's journey. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And I want to leave you with one final question. What is our perspective? 